Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. is running around and for whatever reason that means toilet paper. I'm not sure what coronavirus on our backside has to do in common. Not really sure. Like maybe I need to ask the Lord for more discernment because I'm missing something. But when somebody thinks of being quarantined for whatever reason, like, oh, toilet paper. Okay. I, when I think of being quarantined, I'm like food, like what we eating. I'm not, <laughs> for whatever reason, I didn't think toilet paper. I was like ground beef. I was like tri-tip, mac and cheese, green, get the collard greens, soaked ham hocks. I mean, like I didn't think toilet paper. But for whatever reason, maybe they know something I don't know. I'm not sure. But I believe that this message is fitting, fittingly titled Quarantined. Okay, this is the title of today's message, Quarantined. The Bible talks about a remnant, and I think if we look around, I, I guess we're it. So, like, we're the remnant, y'all. Like, why everybody else says coronavirus is running rampant, let's skip church, the remnant's like, meet you at service. I don't know about you, but I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Whether it's a storm out, whether there's disease, plagues, I don't care, you will find me in the house of the Lord. Turn the lights on, turn the lights off, I don't care, I'm in the house of the Lord. So welcome to the remnant, people. Welcome to the remnant. We, we is here. We is, we is here. The remnant is here. Everybody else online, we love you. We love you. God bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. All right, well, when I was young, I had a love affair for words. I took this creative writing class in elementary school. I'll never forget it. And literally, they taught us, they freed us, they equipped us, they allowed us to write creatively. And ever since then, I never will forget how much I fell in love with words. I love the way you can stream some words together and encourage someone. You can knit some words together perfectly and you can motivate somebody. You can inspire somebody all with words. Words are so powerful. I've seen people use words to literally get somebody who was down in the slumps, don't want to live, and they offer them their words. And all of a sudden, life, I've seen life get pumped back into somebody's body, all with words. That's why I don't think it's a coincidence that John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. There's something powerful about our words, but I believe a lot of us don't realize how powerful our words are. You guys know the scripture, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Why? Because it's what we do with our power, our words. So I've always had this love affair of words. So all through elementary school, I did, I, I wrote plays for school, uh, projects. We, we do plays. It was amazing. It was so fun to see the words come to life on the stage during church, uh, different church services. I'd write plays for church, for Easter. I love to use words and allow words to come alive and allow it to affect people's life. So I couldn't wait for college. First thing I'm doing, English literature. Let's do this. Because why? Because I believe there are books I'm supposed to write. There's plays and screenplays, Broadway shows, do words. I got these words. I have this love affair with words that I cannot wait to equip it and to, to nurture it and to see what the Lord does with it. I'll never forget Mr. Wall. That's, the, that's his name for the sake of this message because I don't remember his name. 
but I had a professor, and we're going to call him Mr. Wall today, okay? Mr. Wall, he was the English literature professor at the college, and I'll never forget the first assignment I had with this guy. Couldn't wait. He gave us the assignment, no problem. I took off. Dude, I could not wait to put these words together. I was so proud when I turned in my paper. There you go, Mr. Wall. Enjoy that. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, day came when it was time to grade the paper, and Mr. Wall, he wanted to talk to me about mine. I understand. No problem, Mr. Wall. What's up? Did you like the paper? I'll never forget what Mr. Wall said to me the aspiring screenwriter, author, playwright. He says, you know, Kaya, you know, some people get it. And some people just don't. He says, and you know what, you, you just don't. He says, you know, you, you just don't get it. Here's your paper. It was a D. I took the paper and I thought, well, surely he has more to say, but no, he just turned to Emily and started talking to Emily about her paper. So there I was holding my paper. And I walked off with that, and I'll never forget how I felt. I forgot his name. I forgot the assignment. But I never forgot how that made me feel. And so now what do I do with this love affair that I have with these words? And now I go every time I go to streamline and to knit these words together so perfectly because I love them. I love the effect that they make when they come together, when you choose them wisely. And every time I try to knit them together, there's Mr. Wall's voice saying, you know, Kaya, you know, some people get it. And some people just don't, and, and you don't. And there I was. And my 18-year-old, hot-headed, I know everything I need to know about the world. You know what I did to Mr. Wall? I withdrew from his class. Take that, buddy. Take that, boo. You know what? You don't, you don't get me. That's your punishment. You don't get me in your class. You're welcome. Let's see how well your class does. And I'm sure they did great. And I'm sure he didn't blink an eye when I withdrew from that class. And I'm sure if I pass him on the street, he would not know me from a bug on somebody's shoe. And I'm sure he doesn't even remember the whole thing, but I do. Literally every single time I knit these perfectly beautiful, wonderful, amazing words together, I hear Mr. Wall's voice. He's still alive and well in my heart. Why? Because I've sown a seed of discord and fear and offense because of how he made me feel. And now the books that I have not written, the screenplays that I have not written, the plays that I have not written, I don't blame me and my fear and my offense. It's Mr. Wall. Mr. Wall did it. Lord, you need to go talk to Mr. Wall because Mr. Wall killed something in me. Whatever I was supposed to get out of that class, I didn't. Whatever I was supposed to overcome in that class, I did not. Whatever he had been equipped to give me, I did not receive it. Why? Because my offense and my seed of fear decided, I decided I'd quarantine myself from Mr. Wall in his class and what he think he could teach me. And Mr. Wall went on and ran one had a wonderful life, I'm sure. Maybe he married Tabitha and had amazing kids. I don't know what his story was, but I just know right there, I've dug a grave and I decided to lay there quarantined because of the way I feel Mr. Wall made me feel. Ephesians 4 and 16, it says, from the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. 
That sounds like the most beautiful picture of the most beautiful church. Like we're all helping one another. Like, wouldn't it be great? I've, t- I've daydreamed about this with some of the members. Like, wouldn't it be great if we had our own TBCF farm right now? Like, we'd be like, we ain't scared. We got cabbage, potatoes, greens, beans, potatoes. We got goats, moats, loats. I don't know. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? If we can be like, well, we're going to go to the Ruiz house and they got all the whatever. And then we go to the Johnson's house and they got all the whatever. And all our needs are met. Why? Because we have planted this farm that's sustainable. And I don't care what comes or what goes. We good. And the Lord says, that's how I've designed the body of Christ. It's almost like a garden. That it doesn't matter what the world lacks. You should be able to come into the house of the Lord and you have everything that you're able to need. You're efficient. The the Lord has made the body efficient. But do you know that it can go all bad also? Which means if somebody comes in and they're full of fear, or they're full of offense, or they're full of anger, or they're full of prejudice, and all of a sudden, what does the scripture say? It says, knit together by what every joint supplies. So what if you're not sowing seeds of truth and righteousness and holiness? No, instead, you're sowing seeds of prejudice and fear and offense. You're mad about this. You're mad about this. I hate this part. We, I hate Trump. Don't you hate Trump? Yeah, I hate Trump. I, I can't stand the pastor. The pastor keeps messing up. Don't you hate that? Yeah, I hate the pastor. Yeah, like what if the joint that you are is supplying something that's actually not causing growth, but, you're, but it's causing decline? From whom the whole body, joint and knit together by every joint supplies. I believe that it's not by accident that the Lord often uses the illustration of the human body because God has taken so much time with it. I don't know if you like your body, but I like my body. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. I don't know what the spleen does, but I'm sure it does amazing things. God knows, and he knows how needed it is. I don't know how effective or what exactly my liver is doing every day. Like, I'm not sure if maybe the liver is part-time and the heart is full-time. Like, I'm not even sure how that hall breaks down. But God does. And he knows how important it is that it's knit together and it's all working together, supplying one another with what it needs. And just like us, as a body, knitly, joint together, just like a body, supplying one another with what it needs. But a lot of times we don't see that. You know why? Because we come to church on these solo missions. Like, look, I don't care about everybody and everybody else. I got some stuff going on and I need God. So people come in with their own agendas, their own issues, their own hangups. And they're like, I don't care about this person to my left or this person to my right. I'm just needing God for me. This is a solo mission. And God's like, dude, you're missing it. You are a body, knitly joint together. So whatever it is that you're coming in carrying and you're deciding you don't want to connect with anybody, you don't want to serve, you don't want to love on anybody, you don't want to give anybody any time, you don't want to give anybody any grace, any whatever, you're judging people all the time because you're coming to church on this solo mission. God's like, you're not getting anything that you need. And guess what? Not only are you slowing you down, you're slowing the entire body down. Do you know if you get a blood clot, you have a stroke? The last thing we need at church in this body is a stroke because somebody refuses to get out of their own solo. It's all about me. It's just about me getting what I need from God and I'm out. Don't try to talk to me after service. Don't try to get me to sign up for no small group. Don't try to get me to serve. I'm going through some things with the Lord and I need 
but you're like a body knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by each part causes it to grow or decline. We're all a lot more connected than you think. God has actually called us to one another. I don't know if there's any introverts in here that is praying that the Lord grants them a one-year vacation on a deserted island, but guess what? It's not happening. You're not getting your deserted one solo island, one-year vacation. It's not happening. We're called to one another. We're called to grow because of one another. There's something that you have that I need, and there's something that I have that you need, and guess what? We're knit together, and we're supposed to allow and equip and, and encourage one another to grow. But if I decide I want to be a big, fat blood clot because I want to be lazy and I want to be selfish and I just want to come for myself, I am actually holding and hindering other people around me from growing. There's something I need from you and there's something that you need from me because we are a body. Fitly joined together. We're more connected than you actually think. Let's turn to Luke chapter 17 verses 1 through 4. And it reads this. Then he said to his disciples, I love when Jesus does this. Because like I always picture him walking and saying, and like turning around and saying, you know what? And another thing. That's how I picture him. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Than that he should offend one of these little ones. Little in the faith. Little in strength, little in wisdom, little in experience. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. That's a lot of forgiving. And I wonder what was actually happening between the disciples when Jesus decided to turn around and teach that. Like, because you know how Jesus would always answer what was going on in somebody's heart? Like, somebody wouldn't even say it. He'd say, and so why do you say in your heart that I la, 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 la? And so for whatever was happening in this moment between the relationships between the disciples, because the disciples didn't know how actually called to one another they actually were and how much they were going to actually work with each other more than they actually knew. Like, they had not a clue, but Jesus knew. And so while they were walking and while they were journaling, journeying wherever where they were going, I don't know if maybe James said something to Peter or Peter turned around and gave like, you know, like uh, Judas a flex. I'm not sure what exactly happened, but Jesus decided to turn around and say, you know what? It's impossible that offenses not come because someone's going to get on your nerves. Someone so might want to start talking and like not stop. Or maybe so-and-so has a beef with so-and-so, and and now he's trying to get you to be mad at so-and-so with him. Like, Jesus knew that the church would not be birthed if these guys can't get it together. And so he was trying to explain to them, just because you're following me doesn't mean it's all going to be rainbows and and cupcakes. Jesus said, just because you're in the house don't mean that you ain't going to get offended. Just because you're in the house where the presence of the Lord dwells doesn't mean that you might not be carrying fear. But he's saying it's impossible that offenses not come. However, let me tell you what to do with the offenses when they do come. That's important for us to realize as a church because people come to church with these false expectations. Like, I can't wait to meet the holy pastor that's like perfect. And then all of a sudden, man, something happens. I'm like, wait a minute. Why is the pastor not perfect? What kind of church is this? Pastor wandering around dancing, doing the RoboCop or whatever. I don't know. That, 
Maybe, maybe somebody or one of the saints aren't fitting the, 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 the vision of what you think a Christian is supposed to be because what they portray on TV is not actually what's happening at the building. So now you're thinking, hold up, what kind of church is this? So-and-so passed right by me. She didn't even say hi. I'm offended. Jesus says, whatever it is that you're carrying, whatever it is that you feel in that day, guess what? Offenses are going to come in whatever form, for whatever reason. Because if there's anything that the enemy would love to do, he would love to be able to penetrate the doors of the church. He would love to be able to break up people's fellowship, relationships, love, connections. He would love to get talk you out of serving, talk you out of giving people grace, talk you out of being humble, talk you out of to connecting one to another the way the Lord has designed it. And so Jesus was saying, so if so-and-so irritates you and makes you mad, forgive him. And then he goes on to say, and then if he does this, forgive him. And then he give, he does seven times. Dude, that's a lot of forgiving. But for whatever reason, he says, take heed to yourselves. And I don't know about you, but if this was happening to me, I'm like, Jesus, hold up. But we need to talk about this dude because he keeps on offending me. And I keep on forgiving him. So when you're talking to me about me, let's talk. Let's go all. Let's go together, Jesus, and go talk to him. We need to have like a, what do you call it? An inter, inter, uh, intervention of why this dude keeps getting it wrong. But instead, Jesus says, take heed to yourself. So he's trying to tell me that in order to, to affect this brother, I got to take heed for myself. What is me dealing with me got to do with him and his offenses with me? But Jesus is trying to point something out. That we're like a body. Knitly joined together. And if I don't process the offense that I'm having with so-and-so, it's going to affect so-and-so, and it's going to cause a blood clot, not just for me, but for the entire body. Why? Because we're all a lot more connected than we think. Offenses slow us down. Jealousy slows us down. Bitterness and unforgiveness, it slows us down, and it brings us to a screeching halt. Because whatever happens, all of a sudden, now we're not supplying what we're supposed to be supplying one to another. Just like I did with the teacher. You know what? My punishment for that professor was he don't get me in his class. And that's just like us, though, because we really think people care. I mean, I know it's not just me. I know it's not just me. When I'm like, you know what? You don't get to be my friend. Take that. Enjoy your life. You're welcome. <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. But for whatever reason, it's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop talking to her. Mm. And we think we just justified something in our flesh. We feel good about that. And guess what? The enemy does too because he's like, good. Because whatever you were supposed to do for her and forgive her and doing her and doing her, you're not doing it. Why? Because the church doesn't get you when you're offended. Wow. So instead, we have to monitor our thoughts and track our growth, not just for us, but for the whole church. What? That means in my prayer closet, I'm having to deal with so-and-so who's irritating me and I keep forgiving him 77 times, seven times, and I'm having to deal with me in my prayer closet. Why? Because it doesn't affect me and so-and-so. It affects the entire church. Because if not, I quarantine my gifts. I quarantine my talents. I quarantine my love and my affection and, be, and whatever the Lord has placed in me when I'm offended. All right, we're going to turn to Numbers chapter 32. We're going to switch gears because the children of Israel helps us illustrate and see every example there could possibly be. Because whatever it is we talk about, they done probably did it. Numbers 32 and 13, it says, So the Lord's anger 
was arose, aroused against Israel. And he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. God got mad and he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. I don't know if any of y'all mamas was like my mama. I was the only child, but for whatever reason, she wanted to have like 10, 12 kids at a time. So she would pick up all the cousins, all of us, and we'd be stacked on top of each other in the Datsun, riding around in the Toyota Datsun. That was back in the day when, when somebody could sit on your lap and then somebody could sit on their lap and we could be like three tier in the back and the police didn't say nothing. The police would wave like, hello. They don't do that now. They pull you over like, no. Somebody need a seat belt. She needs a car seat. Like, but we was riding all kind of dirty. But that was back in the day where we were stuffed in there. And it was always usually my cousin Tyrone. He's a real person, y'all. My cousin Tyrone would always do something. He would say something. We would call him the little professor because he wore glasses and he thought he knew everything. Everything. No, it wasn't Pastor John, you guys. It was my cousin Tyrone. He thought he knew everything. And so my mom would say something. He'd say, no, uh Auntie Betty. Uh-uh, Auntie Betty, you know, you're supposed to be doing this, or uh-uh, Auntie Betty. And I mean, he would push her to the last button. And you know what happened? We all ain't going to Great America. Why? Because Tyrone got on her last nerves. And we're like, but that's Tyrone. There's 11, other us, uh, 11 other of us in this Toyota Datsun. It's Tyrone. Why don't Tyrone get segregated and get sent home? But instead, we all ain't going to Great America. And that's what happened with the children of Israel. I bet the children of Israel could pinpoint the troublemakers. Everybody wasn't messing up, but there was a core little group. And they probably all got together and say, this is what we going to do, y'all. And that's probably how they was looking too. Y'all, this is what we going to do. And God didn't like it. And you know what? He said, everybody wandering. All of y'all. That's what God said. All y'all out here. But it's Tyrone. I don't care. All y'all. And he said, and you're not moving until they did. What? What? But that's how connected they were. That's how connected we are. There's things that we've talked about doing in this community, taking this Sassoon, the, the city of Sassoon, for, the, for, the, for Jesus. Because we're not just a church in Sassoon, we're a church for Sassoon. But there's things that we're going to do, and God's saying we're not moving until they get it right. We're not moving until the blood clots are solved. We're not moving until she stops being offended all the time. We're not moving until she decides that she's going to stop being selfish. We're not moving until he realizes he don't know it all. It's all about Jesus. We're not moving. So if something in your life is not moving, you need to turn around in the car and say, who is slowing us down? I would love, probably Tyrone, probably, probably Tyrone. But it's usually always that one person that messes it up for everybody. And we've, we've been in classrooms. We've been at work. I've been at the gym. Somebody comes in late. Somebody's talking back. We all get burpees. We're like, but it's Tyrone. Like, what does the burpees have to do with me? Because why? We're all a body. Knitly joined together. And until we get off these solo missions of I need something from the Lord, that's why I'm coming to church. Because it's just about me. And until we're done being on quarantine, 
until we're done getting on our solo missions and our solo box and saying, Lord, I don't care about them. God, I just need you to talk to me. I just need you to help me. I'm just at this church because I need, I need, I need, I need. And as soon as I get what I need, I'm gone because I don't have a love for the body. I just have a love for myself. There's something that I need from you. And there's something that you need from me. And until we really figure it out, we're not actually moving. And until we figure it out, we're going to keep talking about what we want to do for Jesus in this city, and we're not. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to waste time. I like to be about my father's business. I like to turn around in a car, and if it's Tyrone, Tyrone, get out. Or figure it out who it is so that we can get moving again. Is anybody else with me? The thing is that the way if you look at the body, the heart can't say, well, I'm weak, but the eyes is like, well, I'm fine. The heart's failing, but the eyes is like, I can see just fine. Let's keep going. No. No. When the heart goes, we all go. The liver can't say, save yourself. No, we can't, liver. We can't, liver. We can't. We're all right here. We got to figure out what's going on or we're not moving. But how many of us have done that? We see somebody at church, man, they're struggling. And we're like, well, that, that ain't my business. Yes, it is. She's a liver. Like, let's go get her. We got somebody that's bent up and pent up with the fences and fear. And we're like, well, that's her problem. She needs to get it together. No, she's a heart. Let's go help her. Why? Because we're not going anywhere if somebody is quarantined. The whole body got to be here. I can live without a fingernail, but I can't live without a finger. I'm not sure if the pinky and the index gets into it sometime, but they got to work it out. Because guess what? We stuck in this thing together. It can't go nowhere and I can't go nowhere without it. Let's go. Let's get it together. Because each of us are supplying one another with what we need. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Mm. And y'all know who Miriam was, right? That was Moses' sister. And actually, she was a leader. She was a big deal. She was actually, she helped uh, the people, the children of Israel. She rallied for them to listen to Moses and to actually leave Egypt. Like Miriam was a big deal. She was trusted among the people uh, of, of Israel. So then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. What? What happened? So... Miriam, I got to read again. So Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. They said it twice. Did y'all notice they said it twice? They said, because he married a black woman and the black woman was black and the black woman was black. Okay. So they said, <laughs> I just want to be sure, I just want to be sure I didn't, I, I didn't see something that y'all didn't see. Okay. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man, Moses, was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Okay, talk about family drama. First of all, did you notice in the scripture, the Bible said twice, they didn't like the fact that he married that woman. So they had a problem with him marrying that woman. But the complaint was about his leadership. It's not really about the woman. It, it, we don't, I mean, we don't, I don't care for her. I mean, I wouldn't have picked her for you, but... 
really, my complaint with you, Moses, is I just feel like, I mean, I've known the Lord longer than you have. I mean, you and Pharaoh was kicking it. I was, I was calling upon the Lord. I was actually praying for the deliverer. So I feel like the Lord should be talking to me a little bit more than he's talking to you because I'm actually a little bit more seasoned in the word than you are, Moses. That's really what my complaint is. But the Lord, knowing the issues of the heart, knew that something in Miriam was quarantined. And it had a lot to do with the fact that she was upset about Moses marrying that woman. But instead, she did a little squirrel. It ain't that. It's the leadership. I have problems with the leadership. But isn't that just like us, though? We'll be offended about something, but we're like, well, I know that don't sound right, so I'm going to make it about something completely different. And then I'm going to call in my brother Aaron and be like, Aaron, don't you feel this way? Don't you, aren't you mad? Yeah, we mad. Yeah, we mad. We mad, Aaron. Not about the wife, but about because we can probably actually do it better. Wow, but the Lord heard it. And do you notice in the scripture it says, but Moses was very humble. And I believe that that part was in there for a reason. Because I believe the whole family drama was going on way too long and, the, and Moses hadn't said anything and the Lord was fed up with it. I mean, like if I could go back in time and be like, Moses, let me holler at your wife real quick. Girl, how you feel? Girl, what they do, what they say. Can you imagine how she felt coming into the family and now all of a sudden they don't like her and I bet you, Miriam made it very known. Oh, can you just see the body language in the, in the scripture? Because they said it twice. He married that woman, and, they, and she was that, and she was black, and they didn't like it, and she was black. <laughs> and they didn't like it. So I'm sure it was all over Miriam's body language. Maybe they had prayer meetings, and they didn't invite her. Maybe when she brought the dish to the potluck, however she prepared the manna, I'm not sure. But whatever she did with the manna, they didn't want to touch it. And it, but it's not really about the fact that we don't like her, which we don't, but it's really about us being upset about leadership stuff. And the Lord saw a cancer growing among the children of Israel. And he says, Moses is very humble. Maybe he's praying about it, but he ain't saying nothing about it. And the Lord's like, I'm about to take care of this right now. And so the Bible says, if you read on further on, the Bible said he called a meeting. He said, Miriam, Aaron, and Moses, get out here. I want to talk to you. Woo, I'm sure if y'all know but when Jesus when God calls a meeting I'm scared I mean he didn't just say like come Miriam come out here I want he's like Miriam Moses and Aaron get out here I want to talk to you and he called them on the carpet and he called out what they were doing and he to let them know that he was not pleased so here Moses is re leading these stiff-necked Israelites these stiff-necked children of Israel and here he has family drama going on too the Lord's like, I need to help him. How are we going to ever as a body do what we're supposed to do if you can't even get right with what's going on in your family? How are we supposed to take Sassoon if we got family drama going on on the inside? How are we supposed to teach the kids? How are we supposed to reach Crystal Middle School when we can't even get along with one another? I'm calling you on the carpet right now. Numbers 12, 9 through 16, and it says this. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. See, I got, I need y'all to, Pay attention to this part, because the fact that the Lord departed is a big deal. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go one moment, one second without the presence of the Lord. But the Lord says, you know what? The weight because of the what, what's going on in your heart and because of what you're doing and what you've been saying, you're not getting me. It says, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly... Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. Aaron probably went, ah! He was like, ah! 
So Aaron said to Moses, oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses, being the humble man that he is, cried out to the Lord saying, please heal her. Oh God, I pray. And the Lord loving Moses the way he did, didn't want to say no to Moses. So you know what he said? Because his anger was still there. He says, if her father, I, I believe the Lord did it like this. If her father who had spit in her face, would she not be shamed for seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp for seven days. And afterward, she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people moved from Hezron, Hezroth and camped in the wilderness of, the, of Paran. She was quarantined by the Lord. But guess what? The things that she was sowing in private but reaping publicly not only held her up, but it held up the whole nation. The Bible says the cloud moved, and you don't understand something if you don't know your Bible. When the cloud moves, they move. When the fire moves, they move. But this time, they saw the cloud move on, and they didn't. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So it wasn't like the people were like, oh, no. I mean, they were, that, that's a big, we're supposed to move. You don't understand. We're supposed to move when the cloud moves. Moses, the cloud is, the cloud is, the cloud moved. Why aren't we moving? Because we've got an issue in the camp. And because we are a body fitly joined together, God's not allowing us to move until it gets fixed. Because we're a body fitly joined together. How humiliating. Humiliating it must have been for Miriam. She's a leader. She's a big deal, you guys. So there she is, shut out the camp for seven days, and all the people are just sitting there doing nothing. Can you imagine what she was doing during her quarantine, maybe practicing her comeback speech? I'm not sure. Like maybe she was practicing saying, okay, I, I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, no, I shouldn't say I'm sorry. I should be like, okay, I, I and not only that, but all the children of Israel wasn't there when, the God, when God handed down the punishment. So they don't even really fully know what's going on. So you know, like what we do, especially as church people, we fill in the blanks. We'll be like, oh, I think Moses' wife probably made a pass at Aaron. And I think that, and then, then Miriam, I heard Miriam slapped him. Yeah. And you know how we are. We just fill in the blanks. We just allow it to just run rampant. So that was probably what was happening for seven days. People were like, well, y'all, we a met. I think God don't like us. Actually, I think he chose a different people what we gonna do coronavirus man the cloud moved forget the coronavirus dude the cloud has moved and we're still here for seven days the people were left in a state of what is going on all because what was going on in her heart and she didn't take heed for herself and she dragged Aaron into it and who knows what other people she dragged into her foolishness. Come on, worship team. But that's just like some of us today. I don't know whether you, your, your vice is fear. I don't know where, whether your vice is unforgiveness. I don't know if you're like me. You're recanting something that somebody said to you and offended you. And you're recanting it year after year, moment after moment. People have moved on and they forgot about you. But you still rehearsing what they said to you and how it made you feel. 
And in the meantime, whatever it is that you're supposed to do, whatever writings you're supposed to write, whatever you're supposed to do, whoever you're supposed to love on, whoever you're supposed to forgive, you're not because you're not moving. And not only are you not moving, but every person that God has called you to is actually not moving too. How many of you have kids that are probably like, I don't want to hear mom explain the story again about how what so-and-so said to her, how dad made her mad and what he did and what he, the kids are probably like, oh my God, can we all just move on? (laughs) But that's so many of us today because we feel like whatever's going on in me is just between me and God. No, boo, it's between you and the body. And the body is suffering until you move on. And so because of Miriam's prejudice, because of her thoughts about what didn't go according to what she wanted, because of what was going on in leadership and she didn't approve of it, it held up the whole camp. Matthew 12 and 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because whether we try to hide what we're feeling or hide what we're going through, our mouth is going to allow some venom to slip out. And it's going to poison some people that we don't intentionally want to poison. And it's going to allow and and force us all to stay somewhere longer than we're supposed to stay. When the cloud moves, we move. When the glory moves, we move. Why? Because we're all supposed to be a body fitly joined together. We got to stop leaving the heart behind and the liver behind and the spleen behind saying, that's their business. No, it's our business. Because we're all in this together. We're on a journey and we're journeying together. And when we fight for righteousness in us, we're fighting for the body. When we're fighting to stay in our word and to stay holy and to stay focused and to not allow the world to carry us up and consume us in fear, we're not fighting for ourselves. We're fighting for the body. When we don't allow ourselves to be moved by what the world is doing and their standards dropping and morale's dropping and we're seeing what the world is doing and what they're okay and what they're saying is blessed and what they're saying is good and what they're saying a Christian looks like. If we don't allow that to go in, we're not fighting just for ourselves. We're fighting for the church because we're going somewhere. Because we're going somewhere and we're going together. So we have to fight for the unity of the Spirit of God in us. We have to fight for the church. We have to fight to stay righteous, to stay holy for the sake of of not just us, but our kids and our children's children and the church and the city of Sassoon for the sake of not holding up anybody. So I want you guys to stand to your feet because God did not give us the spirit of fear, but God has given us power and love and a sound mind. And when we decide we're moving with the cloud, we're not moving with the world, That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast, but we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today, or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.